Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum. Today's guest I'm really excited about. A warm salam to my friend Peter Gold. Peter leads a strategic design consulting firm based in Sydney, Dubai, Beirut, and Jakarta. Gold Studio advocates for heart-centered design to create meaningful brands, cross-cultural understanding, and transformative change. Over 20 years, his engagements have included Apple, Google, the United Nations, Greenpeace, and a diverse portfolio of clients from senior government projects to Web3 startups. His contributions to design have resulted in international acclaim, including a major award from the UAE Vice President. In 2020, Peter was appointed as an Australia for UNHCR ambassador. He is also uh, the head of numerous projects, including the Heart of Design. Design is a spiritual practice course, uh, which you can find online, and we will have a, a link in the show notes, uh, as well as the Tales of Chayal, uh, a project of his that uh, we will also have a link to, inshallah. Uh, I'm personally really excited to have Peter here. Um, I've benefited a, a great deal from his uh, insights and wisdom. Uh, I took his uh, Heart of Design course and have joined his like-hearted community, and it has been a, a really transformative experience. In, in fact, I would go as far as to say that this podcast probably would not have existed as, as much more than an idea uh, had I not uh, gotten acquainted with Peter. So, alhamdulillah, thank you for joining me, Peter. Walk us through your journey as a, as a creative professional and, and how you got to be uh, where you are today. Ali, great to be with you. Yeah, thank you for having me and really happy to be on your new podcast. Very exciting. And I think very relevant and timely discussion to have and uh, look forward to seeing how it grows. So yeah, great to be with you. Okay, so yeah, I'm very happy to share a little bit about the, the journey and, um, and for great to be you know, with everyone listening. Um, I mean, one thing about, just I'll say about the concept building with Baraka, it's very much a a shared and, and collective, I think, experience and having, um, you know, Baraka in our efforts and in our projects is is also, you know, being uh, reciprocal to our, our communities and what everyone else is building and this idea of abundance and idea of, um, you know, this collective spirit, I think is, is kind of at the heart of this project as well. And that resonates a lot with me. And I'm really glad you came through the Heart of Design program. And I think what you're doing now is a a good example of building with that intention to share um, and collectively uh, you know, imagine this, this future and trying to build projects and, and, and programs and, and products uh, and communities with, uh, with the right intention and Baraka is, uh, is wonderful. So a little bit about, um, yeah, so just a kind of quick recap. So, um, you know, uh, I now, you know, I'm, the, I'm in a place where I help lead a uh, global design team. But where that began um, around 20 years ago now is uh, I, you know, coming through university in a design degree. So I actually did a Bachelor of Design um, here in, in Sydney in Australia where I grew up. And then at the same time, around the same years that I was, you know, getting so deep into um, an understanding of design and design practice, I also had my own personal journey into Islam and became very curious about spirituality and, you know, the role of faith in a contemporary age, uh, you know, contemporary experience of that, that practice. And uh, in particular, I started to look at the relationship between design 
and Islam and became curious um, after I, you know, I think sort of understood and, and experientially felt, you know, the, the, the truth and the timelessness of, of the faith. Um, I became to, you know, to a place of thinking about and contemplating, you know, the role of, of design and arts and creativity in Islamic tradition, um, a sort of natural, you know, set of questions that come with, you know, what, what the heart is drawn towards. And that's really led to, I think, a, you know, a 20 year journey into trying to explore these, these two things and, and their relationship and their history. And it also led to a lot of travel uh, where I was fortunate to basically, you know, save all the money I could each year as a, you know, freelance graphic design, you know, small, small firm and, and fly to places like, um, you know, Syria or Turkey um, or, um, you know, spend some time in, um, you know, doing, doing Umrah and then going to Lebanon and, and sort of traveling a little bit in parts of traditional Islamic cities and trying to see and, and feel the role of nature of design and creativity and understand the traditional practices. And then over time, you know, what that might mean in today, you know, coming back to places like Australia or the UK or the US, where I also lived for some time, um, trying to, yeah, reimagine and, and apply, you know, this, these traditional beautiful, uh, uh, you know, principles of understanding to, uh, you know, how, how we build product and films and culture and, and what are what are the things to think about there? So that's that's sort of led me to the journey where I am today. Mashallah, you know, I think um, one thing that stands out to me is you know you you really tied like your spiritual journey with your professional one. You know, I, I think, and we've we've talked about this before. Sometimes there it seems, especially maybe in the diaspora and like the Western kind of communities of, of Muslims, we we tend to kind of compartmentalize our deen a little bit, like religion kind of lives in one sector of our lives and then our professional careers are, are, are kind of this other box. So, you know, I'm just kind of curious about what your thoughts are on that and, and why maybe dig into a little bit more of, of how you, those things came together for you uh, in your journey um, in a way that, you know, maybe for a lot of people, like it, it maybe just hasn't clicked yet. Yeah, like I think one one thing that one of my teachers kind of shared as I was asking these kinds of questions, you know, connected to you know, design, entrepreneurship, and what that means as someone on a spiritual path, what you know, and, and even what that means exactly in you know today's uh, age, um, is you know, Dr. Samir Mahmoud, and he kind of explained that we have to today make conscious what was previously you know, unconsciously just applied or, or uh, if, you, if you think about another way, um, you know, what was just understood by, for example, you know, practitioners or business people or, you know, people, you know, artists or, you know, craftsmanship uh, in the past um, that was just understood because of, you know, they wouldn't um, necessarily have a book on like, you know, here they wouldn't have a program or course called The Heart of Design because it's just who, who they were that was understood. Whereas today, you know, we've had a very different experience of that. And if you go to a design school today, you know, where, where I live, for example, um, you're not going to really get exposed to, to a lot of those ideas that would be considered, um, you know, just sort of as a, as a separate kind of, uh, you know, completely separate field of study. For example, if you talk to a calligrapher, as I have done a number of occasions, you know, the understanding of Ahsan and doing work with Ahsan and excellence and, and beauty and love the practice of preparing a parchment or preparing ink and spending hours and hours cleaning the paper and getting the entire state and spiritual state and deep intentionality before 
actually committing to ink on paper, you know, that feels so far removed from the immediacy of graphic design and selling products and sneakers and soda that a lot of designers maybe in, you know, graphic designers, which is what I was studying at that time we, in that, in that world. So um, I guess it's how do we then look at what were those underlying principles? So, you know, you know, Ahsan or working with Ikhlas, like with sincerity or understanding, I think your work as an Amman, as a kind of gift entrusted to you that, you know, you've been blessed with these talents and opportunities and education. Um, and, you know, these, um, this, this kind of package of just how people, you know, I imagine were and lived with these principles in their life. Uh, now we need to kind of more actively, I think, explore and embrace what that means. Uh, and, and how do we, um, so, so one way to do that is, as I've kind of done is uh, just look at some of these key spiritual phrases and concepts that have been present, very present in my journey uh, through Islam in the last 20 years um, that I think are quite universal, but they take on specific kind of nuances with, with the understanding of the Arabic terms and the, and the way that I've kind of been taught them. Uh, and how they can apply in our business and in our, in our lives, but also in our design practice and we're trying to build or what, what kind of, uh, um, you know, a product that we, we might be trying to create. So I think it gives us this powerful lens and perspective, but actively, you know, applying that today. Uh, and I just hadn't really come across that before. Um, I sort of had these two, they felt like two, two different tracks of knowledge. And, you know, it's really been an attempt in the last 10 years in our design studio to look at these more directly and to make that what was just kind of understood to make it more, uh, you know, actively understood and, and explored. That's beautiful. You know, I think um, one aspect of it that really stands out to me is, you know, you don't, you don't shy away from kind of the, the, the business, you know, side of, of design and, and the work you do. Um, I remember I, I, I'm blocking his name, but I was reading an article by a calligrapher and he was musing on this idea of like Islamic calligraphy. Traditionally, it was seen as like a craft, like the, the spiritual goals were the ends. Whereas, uh, you know, like now, like, you know, the way, you know, or, or I guess art rather, and then craft, I think was like, you know, there's a specific end in mind. There, there's some kind of economic value being derived from it. And they're in some ways, two different activities. And he was trying to reconcile like how, you know, how does the modern Islamic artists sustain themselves now? Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I guess for your field, your field is in design, which maybe is, I guess, traditionally more tied with the business side of things. Um, but I, I'm curious about that perspective of yours, because Islam, of course, has plenty to say regarding, you know, building wealth and earning a living and, and these kinds of things, too. Um, you know, we have these high values, certainly, but I mean, they apply to all aspects of, of life, not just kind of the maybe romanticized ideal, you know, of, of art and, and high culture and things like that. So I'm just kind of uh, curious, like what what are some interesting insights that you've learned um, about that aspect of it? You know, kind of the the the, sac the sacred and the profane, the mundane and the and the you mm -hmm. know the, the high. Yeah, well, it's it's a it's a big set of questions, and um, you know, one that it's it's very timely and relevant today because we have to understand that you know earlier uh, my understanding and you know kind of basic research is that um, 
you know, there were for, for people uh, deep into the, the crafts, deep into artistic pursuits, um, tradition, and if they did that as a profession, um, they would have, you know, traditionally patrons, or you'd even come through a system of, of guilds where it was like a kind of a professional understanding. And this was taken to very sophisticated levels in Ottoman courts and, you know, divine where, you know, and calligraphers were very highly valued and, and respected, you know, professionally. And there would be a system uh, and an understanding of, and the role of, of calligraphy was beautiful and was for remembrance of Dicker, but also had, you know, official, uh, you know, uh, relevance, absolutely. Um, but then all the way through to people just, uh, I think, having a, um, you know, an appreciation for beauty and, and them and, and sort of, but not necessarily their profession. And, and that's, that's a timeless um, activity that, you know, some of us, you know, might've watched a Bob Ross video and, and wanted to go and paint. Right. So that's a t timeless thing. And that's, there's something beautiful. And I think metaphysical about being, you know, sort of reflecting on the world and, and capturing that or expressing some of that, but where it becomes a whole new uh, set of, of, questions and challenges is if you're going to earn your living on that and, and make it sustainable for your for your family for example and if you um and there are many classic challenges there and then there's some specific ones in our age you know very global very hyper digital connected um uh world that we live in and uh that's when you know you sort of unleash this whole you know whole package of difficulties um, but also opportunities so um I, I've kind of, I guess my personally, I've kind of grown out of that, the tradition of, you know, okay, well, if you're going to be a, a designer, or in my case, it was graphic designer 20 years ago, um, you know, there's this, there's a, there is a convention, you know, there's a sort of client service sort of model. And, you know, that's how, you, you know, there's ways to kind of navigate that that are, that are pretty well understood. And, and, and I've largely kept a part of that centrally for, for many years in terms of design studio. But surrounding that, there are many different degrees of personal effort and creative or artistic pursuits on one side. And then on the other side, more entrepreneurial activities where you think, okay, this is a problem I want to work on and solve that I think commercially could be valuable because it's the same problem a lot of other people have. And that might be buying, you know, designing kids' books or kids' toys where there is a deeper intent behind it and you want to do something beautiful and inspire young people or, you know, you know give some, you know, parents some access to resources that you think, you know, be valuable and beneficial and has some, have some uh, meaning, uh, but also commercially used to be sustainable. That's the space I've been quite active in as well. Um, someone once kind of described to me that, you know, design is about solving problems and it's, it's really, um, it's about answering questions and art is more about asking those questions, you know, so artistic journeys, you know, you know kind of, you know, provoking or in, inviting questions. But I'd say Islamic art in particular is also inviting one to a place of remembrance and vigor and contemplation, you know, and so I sort of frame it now as, well, that you might think of in today's terminology as designing for remembrance, right, designing for remembrance. But we're in an age of designing for distraction <laughs> where, you know, most of the apps and digital tools and, and products we consume um, really are, are not, you know, with a spiritual intent. They're, they're with a designing for distraction to keep us occupied or wanting the next thing or wanting to buy this or wanting to show off that. Or, um, so it's, um, and yeah, we just, just sort of being mindful of that, um, I think is important. And then, and then trying to think more deeply about what is your intent around what, what you're trying to create. Is it 
might be initially a personal pursuit, but at what level do you want it to become more sustainable activity for, you know, to help, you know, you know, generate the kind of uh, um, livelihood that you need. And that's, you know, that's a, you know, that's a, it's a, it's actually a wonderful journey, but it's, it's a difficult one and has uh, as many challenges waiting for the people that are the bold enough to pursue that. Yeah. You know, uh, and I think just looking at the the work you've done with Gold Studio, I'm sure you've had like so many opportunities to both kind of reflect on on what you've been learning as you're working with the Islamic economy in some of these projects, as well as to put it into practice. Um, so I'm curious if, um, you know, if there's a, a particular, pro- I know, obviously, uh, as a firm, you, you might have some restrictions on, on things you can talk about. But I was wondering if you could go over an example of, of maybe a project you've done in your work where, you know, you were kind of putting some of these ideas uh, into practice, uh, or maybe maybe struggling a little bit um, to kind of balance, you know, the the, the different needs um, of others as, as well as kind of the, the the spiritual goals and intentions that you're trying to keep uh, in your practice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so so one of my favorites is quite visible and you know easy to kind of um, to access is uh, Branko Salam Sisters. So I bring this up because it did come out of a place of you know asking questions or a problem that I was facing and, and many other young parents I knew, um, you know, is how we might inspire and empower our you know, young, young Muslims in particular. Um, so I have two daughters and I was, you know, looking at the content they were exposed to, what toys they, they had access to when they were younger. And, you know, at that time there was not much in terms of representation or, or authentic, definitely not, you know, uh, there was not felt like a authentic um, diversity of, uh, of Muslim cultures in terms of you know the toys and and content that was available and whereas my you know so my kids were not seeing that reflected um as a parent i you know i thought that was that was something that we really you know could do something about as a designer dad you kind of you know have that um that spark of like so what bringing his work into the family life (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah always always yeah you should interview them one day that would be very (laughs) revealing i'm sure um next so (laughs) So what they, um, what, what actually did early on, I had a series of different experiments. So while I was doing day-to-day, uh, mostly our design practice, so building, you know, brands and uh, developing things like websites and different digital communication projects and, and apps, for example, uh, we wanted to develop some of our own and just try them out. So we want, we, for example, um, actually early on, we put on these four different app ideas we had. Uh, and we put them on launch good, right, to see what the response was, which was the, you know, the Muslim crowdfunding site. And so one of the earliest projects we ever did, um, well, actually for, for launch good, it was pretty early too, was to kind of pitch these four app ideas and see what they, they might be. And so one of the ideas was Salam Sisters. So it was this, you know, kind of series of activities and beautiful characters and little animated um, kind of stories for, for young Muslim girls where we knew that, you know, whilst probably most parents and I didn't want their kids living on iPads all day, we knew that, you know, inevitably it felt like at some point they're on iPads. So let's make some, let's, what can we design that's, that's kind of a little more meaningful or hitting in the right, the type of influence we would want them to interact with. So that was one of the ones that got funded and we went and built this app that was pretty basic and, you know, it got good feedback, but it was, it was very simple. Um, 
Um, but it, it wasn't quite enough. It didn't really move the needle enough in terms of like, okay, um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the scale of the impact, but the concept was, was uh, you know, resonated with enough people. So what that led to is a bit of a journey of developing then um, that kind of, you know, that kind of resonated with a few people. It's one, it's one of the people I'd worked with on another project called Five Pillars, the board game, which, you know, had done very well. We'd helped design this board game called Five Pillars, um, which had sold over 100,000 copies. Was like, all right, well, let's develop Salam Sisters. Let's actually, you know, take that. Let's, you know, speak to some investors and, and sort of create that as a, as a more serious product line. So we went down this journey and, um, you know, Humblelow ended up getting the right support, um, actually built it into uh, a full product series that had these, you know, big, you know, 18 inch dolls, we went through like a, you know, like a, a one, one to yeah, nearly 18 month journey of developing these, launching these. And, you know, the, the response and the outcome was great. We had, you know, they all, all pre-sold, um, you know, we had them globally, a lot of uh, love and, and uh, you know, beautiful messages from around the world of different parents resonating with the dolls that had, the, you know, because they, they came with stories and an app where they can all interact. And what was meaningful to me is, is not just the terms of they, they, they sold well, but just having the, um, the response and from a whole range of people, how this resonated with them. And it's the kind of diversity that they're hoping to see in dolls and games. Um, and there were plenty of struggles along the way and, and even continue to be, of course, and, and any kind of someone with an entrepreneurial or designer mindset knows that this, you know, every week will bring something. So the, the product, I think, was, um, was great and the, the brand and the story, the messaging. Um, you know, the challenge, of course, you know, was also uh, COVID and, you know, production and, uh, you know, lots of the difficulties around the big transformation that most businesses that were shipping physical product felt around, around that sort of time, 2020. So um, I'd kind of stepped back a little personally as because most of the design was done and I was focusing on a few other things. Um, so at this point, there's a long waiting list of people who want to buy Celeb Sisters, um, but no actual dolls to buy. Um, they're kind of sold out globally. So they're kind of waiting for, you know, a bit of a reimagining in terms of, um, in a post-COVID kind of production world, how to, how to make that happen. Uh, but in terms of, you know, I think addressing a real problem that was, that was strong. And I get asked all the time, <laughs> wait, where can I buy one of the Salam Sisters? Um, so inshallah, you know, I'd love to see that kind of uh, re-emerge uh, at the right time. And yeah, just trying to align, that was, you know, a, a clear, um, I think a need for that. And, uh, you know, the, um, the design execution. There were lots of decisions we made along the way that were, I think, more heart-centered decisions. So one of them was, you know, anyone can basically go to, for example, you know, a factory and buy a generic doll and put a, you know, a kind of scarf on the doll and say, ah, oh, we've made a hijabi kind of, you know, some doll character. And indeed, you know, a bunch of people have. Um, but the reason they didn't really resonate was there was, I think, a lot more design intent in terms of the character development, the stories, um, and the world building around it that we did. But in particular, for example, with the, with the doll faces, rather than going getting a generic and a doll head, we went to Spanish doll makers and worked with them to, you know, who traditionally, you know, for, for kind of intergenerationally um, designed as all the dolls, uh, worked in, and created these faces that were, um, had that, you know, cultural diversity from, you know, five different backgrounds. And we worked, you know, hard to make, these doll faces much more um, authentic and credible than anything that you could buy at the time from, you know, Hasbro or, Bar you know, Mattel or Barbie or whatever. There was, 
um, there was, and, and so we got that feedback, even the, the kind of tones of, of the skin and the, the type of response we got from parents was, was very positive about, about seeing that and all these, you know, messages from kids saying, oh, it looks like me or it looks like my mom that you couldn't get from other, you know, to- toy brands. Um, so yeah, that was, that's a little bit of a fun story and there's been a few others, but you know, that one's close to my heart. Yeah, definitely. You kept true with your intentions and very much kind of stayed aligned with them. And that made a big difference in terms of its reception with people, I think. I mean, you know, one nugget that I think maybe was glossed over a little bit in the beginning that I want to pull back is, you know, you tried a couple of different, and this is a design, this is like a, like, you know, the, the, the practice of design, this is something that's within the secular practice of design, which is you test ideas out and see what people are responding to rather than kind of have your own, your ego kind of driving the idea. You actually got feedback from people and, and saw, you know, what were the needs that needed to be addressed? Um, and, you know, I, I think that's what has been so interesting to me about the the program that you've been running is is just how much of an overlap there is with design as a practice with a lot of islamic principles um so i think this might be a good transition point because you did you mentioned um that uh the the dolls had aspects of heart-centered design um so i wonder if you could you know clue in our listeners a little bit about that concept um that you've been kind of working on these last couple of years and and um you have that program now um i believe you've, you've started another cohort yeah so the the hard design is uh i think we're in our sixth or seventh one actually now oh, it's, been, um, it's yeah it's been um yeah it's been been popular and uh it continues to yeah have this wonderful group of you know people from from around the world who join and yeah we're in one currently now um that's really come about a lot of that is exactly what you said in terms of that you know for example iterating and learning to take feedback and and develop and have that the patience and the resourcefulness to develop a product through adversity and and develop um with with listening and developing uh longer term and and into you know evolve products and product lines and uh, all of those important, you know, user experience concepts that we need in in a design process uh, that we, you know, I've kind of been, you know, practicing for for the last couple of decades with, you know, developing design projects in consulting kind of space. So a, a lot of that um, direct experience formed the basis for the the program and you know some of the do's and definitely through you know plenty of uh, you know failings and things that didn't work. Um, applying those as well especially important is to know what not to do and i think because i had um also tried and explored lots of little side projects and experiments with with the intention of being you know genuine experiments like launching little projects or products or platforms or you know, websites you know that you know probably dozens really over the last um you know 15 20 years uh and learning through that what you know you know year after year uh, a lot of the time was was I you know serving some kind of need and and then but seeing how big that was or wasn't or how much of that was also just me going oh this is a cool idea I think let's you know we definitely need this in the world um, but only a few thousand people also agreeing that versus um, you know a humble something I, I launched recently in the last couple of months um, you know it's had much bigger adoption and scale but it really took a long time to to know uh, about you know understand that a little further a concept. 
So the hard design is is really, I think, centrally to that is yeah that the it helps people develop their ideas and formulate the vision about what their what kind of problems they kind of work on more with more clarity, and then developing their product or or platform or you know maybe even just the next version of their career or the next kind of step along um, with some tools that I've I've borrowed and adapted from the mainstream things like you know reimagining a business model canvas or a lean canvas, but with more of a heart-centered approach. And by heart-centered, I mean applying those basic spiritual concepts that many of us, you know, as, as Muslims, for example, we become very familiar with in, in terms of, you know, going to weekly classes or, or reading or just the, the basic ways that we live, both with, you know, kind of an ethical framework in life but with specific concepts that we can learn to try to apply. So even, of course, Baraka, the name of the, you know, with the, the, the podcast here, Building with Baraka, um, that's very much like, okay, well, how do you do that? Well, you do that with intentionality and having clarity of intention. You do that working with ikhlas, you know, being sincere about it and not just looking at this as a way to make money and try to grow a billion users. And it's fine if you do earn well and have a very successful business. And that's a great thing. And, and I think you definitely should aspire for that um, if you're trying to build something commercially. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but how do you do that in a balanced way? Um, you know, how do you uh, understand any success you have as a, as a gift and an opening to you rather than, you know, off the back of your own so-called genius? Or, and I'm, I'm talking about you as in, any of us, not you specifically, uh, you know that. But um, uh, and you know, and and lots of um, basic concepts in our faith that uh, uh, that I think directly relevant and helpful for people on the entrepreneurial path. So just having the right sahbah, having the right companionship, it's it's a you know it's a basic universal idea. But I kind of go a bit deeper into that based on my own uh, specific journey and, and looking at what types of companionship where do you find them um what how do you create you know like a bit of a how do you how does your project or your product become a bit of a magnet for the kind of problem or area you're interested in exploring uh these are the kinds of things that i do in in the program and uh you know humble it's resonating with a lot of people and i think it still has a long long way to go but it's just really the I guess the alignment of these two journeys I've had the last 20 years of trying to understand design practice and entrepreneurial, you know, frameworks, and then, you know, thinking about innovation and even, for example, things I picked up at my time in Stanford or in design school, uh, but also just being around people of knowledge and attending a variety of classes on, on Islam and spirituality over the last two decades, you know, reading books, you know, practicing, you know, inshallah as a Muslim, you know, is committed to, um, you know, those, those basics, but then a lot of specifics that I think are incredibly powerful for entrepreneurs when you get these things. And of course, you know, trying to learn from good role models and examples and, you know, far more um, successful and, and uh, helpful um, than I, but just trying to draw on those experiences that, I've, that I'm aware of. That's really what the, the program is about and hope to develop that into to more of a book as well. Um, that's uh, chipping away at that uh, bit by bit <laughs> so getting that shot <laughs> let us know when that drops we'll definitely have to uh promote that <laughs> if it's not out by season five of your podcast <laughs> then um you know you need to you need to come and grab well, me out of my studio in sydney <laughs> <laughs> Mashallah. Well, look forward I, to it i i love um i love that you talked about sohba 
I think that's such an important concept. You know, it, it's it's derived from the same root as Sahaba. You know, it, uh, it's a rich term because it's an Arabic term. So of course, there's there's a lot in there. There's ideas of companionship and fellowship, um, but also mentorship. And you've alluded to some of these things. Um, you've kind of talked a bit about you know some teachers that you've had, um, and also through the Heart of Design program, you have yourself kind of become a mentor. Um, so I was hoping to kind of dig into mentorship a little bit more deeply. I think maybe first, um, if you want to, you know, talk maybe about an experience or two of mentorship that you've had, that's been like particularly transformative. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. I, I think it's, it, it's right. It's a timeless concept, but it's, it's, uh, it feels we're in an age that, um, you know, it, it feels like it matters so much, you know, if you can have access to people regularly um, or semi-regularly that can, you know, give you some accountability to your intentions and your efforts and, you know, checking on how that is going for you. And, but also, um, you know, just positive, constructive criticism um, and, and guidance and connections, you know, it's, it's a, it's not a new idea, but um, we're in an age where you can potentially have mentors from many different places and sectors, and you know you can develop um, meaningful relationships uh, in ways that you wouldn't have access to, you know, traditionally, you know, pre-internet. Uh, so um, yeah, I can think of definitely several. I mean, one of the ones that I find just, I guess, it's a little more recycling back to this idea of sahaba and and companionship. We're very fortunate that I have, you know to you know, two good friends and we're quite, you know, public because we kind of share. Um, so one is, a, you know, co-founder of Launch Good, Chris. Um, another is Mohammed Faris, who has, um, you know, his whole incredible journey. And, and there's, I think, uh, at the heart of a lot of the Baraka movement type of cultural, uh, sort of Baraka culture conversations that exist in many entrepreneurial circles uh, in the, definitely in the, you know, speaking Muslim world. Um, and we have, for example, a quarterly review where we just go through all of our, you know, we do like a complete kind of audit on each other and we take a day to uh, just, you know, look at how we're going in different spheres and intentions and our business and our lives. And, and we've been doing that for, for some years. Um, and we try to do like a kind of annual retreat as well. So we did, um, you know, we just came back from one in San Francisco together or we took a nice road trip down to L.A., and we went through and, and kind of talked through our different plans. And I think everyone should have their own kind of version of that, right? Where you have two people that are in similar similar kind of spheres of life, uh, sorry, seasons of life. Um, you know, we're fortunate we have similar age businesses, similar age kids. Um, so we can kind of share a lot. Find two people or at least one where you have that accountability, where you can do that type of um, type of review together. And just just to have some consistently quarterly is, is fine. I mean, but whatever you can do. So your own um, personal Shura yeah. council. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I kind of in hard design, I kind of borrow this concept of the personal board, right? So it's kind of like if every company, big company will have a board of directors. So this is kind of like your personal board or Shura, exactly. Um and then, so I've had a you know great journey with them and and others. Um, just the like-hearted community kind of generally is is kind of born out of that. Um, and people you know familiar with that, it's you know it's just a it's a global kind of loose network of, of friends, entrepreneurs, uh, and creatives and, and aspiring um, creatives and, and professionals who uh, 
you know, we've, we've had different gatherings and meetups and we have our Slack, you know, which people are welcome to join. So um, that's, by the way, it's over a thousand people now in that Slack. We just, we just realized. Wow. So it's we, we great, have to put a link in the description <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. The next that's 2000. Cool. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's, you know, it's, um, so building those kind of communities. And then I've been very fortunate to have just some individual mentors. Um, you know, one of my teachers, Harun Sujic or Michael Sujic, he's, uh, you know, um, someone he used to spend a lot of time with in Dubai and his books and teachings and experiences, life experiences are quite incredible. He has a book called Signs on the Horizon and another one called Heart's Turn. So he's been someone that's been, um, you know, I, and he also lived a, you know, life of, you know, he had a strong, um, you know, like really amazing professional journey as well. So, you know, in Saudi Arabia, I was there for over 20 years and working professionally had a, you know, a really strong understanding of communications and, and PR and uh, working with big corporations. So I, I, I like people that have kind of, well, I should say, I like, I, I benefit a lot from people that have had a strong professional or creative journey um, where that's sort of how they, they earn their means and support their families, but also deeply, you know, spiritual in terms of it's everything is, it's aligned and connected with that path. So look for those people, <laughs> look for them. And they are, of course, um, they of course will be around you if you can find them. And, and even if it's a different kind of sector or industry or space, you'll, you of course find uh, people you can benefit from. And, uh, you know, that's, it's so important to try and do that. That's wonderful advice. And I would add to that, you know, if it feels like you can't find anyone, make the law. That's always the first step. And then after that, you, you look for the means, inshallah. Um, you know, one aspect of um, sofa and mentorship I, I kind of wanted to talk to you. And I was, I was thinking about this too, as you mentioned that your Shura Council, you're kind of in the same season of life. You're on all kind of in businesses and, and you know, mashallah, like I've benefited learning, you know, just um, from, from far away, uh, you know, launch good story and productive Muslims. It's great work, mashallah. Um, and, you know, you guys, you kind of have a level of maturity in your businesses now. Um, so you're, you're kind of coming to a place where I think other people are looking to you for mentorship as well. And, and you've engaged in this in, in Heart of Design and in the like-hearted community. Um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if, if you have any maybe advice or learnings of the side of being the mentor for maybe others who are listening to this, who are in a similar season of life to you. Maybe they're not necessarily new entrepreneurs. Maybe they've been doing this for a while and and or, or or in any kind of you know leadership or institution building capacity uh, in many ways i think mentorship is itself a skill it's it's itself also a means to to greater knowledge um so i'm, I'm just wondering if you have any insights about that yeah yeah that's a great great um question and just kind of re reflecting on um there's a few ways to think about that um one, just in terms of exposure and where, where I'm learning from, where you're learning from is, um, of course, we're in an age of complete abundance. There's just so much content and there's online courses. There's, you know, so many different academic uh, opportunities that, you, you know, you, our parents never would have had, you know, under global remote sort of learning. And then there's your face-to-face -face kind of circles, which, uh, you know, you can find perhaps more easily with, you know, digital means. Um, I think, and, and I'll say when I, you know, when I was in university, like, you know, 20, you know, 20 plus years ago, um, 
yeah, there were certain things that you had to, it, it, certain things that felt more difficult. And through that, I guess, you know, opened kind of certain doors or opportunities where you had to, you really had to, you know, to, to find a mentor or someone that's willing to be, uh, you know, it's, it, I had to travel. I had to travel a lot out of Australia to find, you know, teachers and, and creative, um, professional creative Muslims, for example. I had to literally get myself out of the country and go and move to San Francisco for a year. And I had to, um, you know, put myself in, in Dubai and, and try to do, and I think maybe um, by doing that, I think, you know, just, just physically trying to learn and be in different places, open up different um, networks and being in a place of listening and service and support is uh, what became a, I mean, that's how I got to know people like Harun or, or, or Chris or Mohammed is, is trying to do that. Um, and I think just sort of adding around that is having these different tracks of knowledge. So I had, you know, I've always been curious and invested in design education, but also, you know, Islamic education. And, uh, you know, at the intersection of the two, of course, is what, what this whole conversation becomes about. But um, you get access to different kinds of mentors. I'm like, you know, uh, someone that probably wouldn't consider themselves a mentor, but you know, there's people I've sat with where we've hardly exchanged words. We had we had a, a tea, you know, just a cup of tea, um, and just you know, like a spiritual master, and you learn just so much just experientially. Like your whole state is affected by being in a completely different type of presence and consciousness, where you just you feel like you're learning without you know, using a different kind of language, um, traditional types of, I think, spiritual uh, connection came through, through, you know, a very important, you know, face-to-face interaction that's maybe harder today. I've had some exposure to that, and, and that was powerful mentorship in a way. Um, and, but reciprocally, let's say, when I was at Stanford, um, you know, I did a, mostly an online course there, but I did have some in-person modules, and another way of sort of explaining or sharing advice that was spoken in that same regard was, um, you know, be like the elephant, not like the hippo. And the hippo has a large mouth and small ears. And the elephant has large ears and a small mouth, <laughs> right? So just listen, I like right? That. And so, <laughs> yeah, I like it too. So one hand sitting with a sheikh that's, you know, from Mauritania that, you know, just having a tea with and you feel your whole state calm and just be in a place of, uh, you know, different place. And then on the other hand, a Stanford professor who lives, you know, like, you know, or, you know, one hour away, um, uh, you can also have that more active lesson. So I think having, trying to find mentors from different spheres, I found valuable. I'm not saying that I've applied and lived up to the ideals that these people uh, would have, but I'm, but I'm trying, I'm trying. And um, yeah, that's that mentorship can be in many forms. And, and ironically, I'd say even the, sometimes the Uber drive or the, you know, the taxi between these two locations, you can also have incredible wealth of knowledge from, from all kinds of people. So, you know, don't discount. That sounds like that. a very specific anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I did that. I like, you know, I remember, yeah, I wrote a whole thing. I, this is, well, I was in the Bay Area a couple of visits ago. And yeah, I was visiting one place to another. But the best advice I kind of remember was sort of the Uber drive between them. And uh, it was a really nice old, older African-American lady who was talking to me about parenting and her kids and, and how, you know, to listen and what's the right balance between, 
you know, listen, diversity, discipline. And, and so, you know, you never know that like, mentorship comes in many forms, right? Yeah, wisdom is the last property of the believer. I will say though, I I do think um I do think some of your experiences have rubbed off on you. I think just from my own experience in the heart of design class, you know, there are aspects of the way you would re- run that and I, I could go deep into it, but I really think people should experience that class for themselves. Um but there were just aspects that you know, it felt it didn't feel like a an entrepreneurial or work thing. It felt in many ways like a holika, like there was a there was a real connection of hearts there. Um, and I think that, you know, at least in that aspect, you did a really good job of, of combining, you know, the Stanford professor with the, the Mauritanian shakes, you know, different types of, <laughs> oh, of presence and teaching. So inshallah, uh, there, there's many more lessons to learn and, and that you will continue to apply and derive Baraka from. Um, so inshallah, we're, we're coming a little close to time. I think um, just to round this out, uh, if there's anything you'd like to talk about, um, you know, the, the future, maybe projects that you're currently working on um, that, you know, or, or maybe just a vision you have for kind of the next step for, for you know, your design practice or heart of design, like something you'd like to see kind of come to, to, to fruition maybe. Um, or something, mm. you know, maybe a need that the community has that you feel like has not been reached yet, but that you'd like to kind of aim for. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, the, there's a, I think I have a, a lot of curiosity that seems to be amplified in recent times with um, a lot of community interest in the metaverse, Web3, um, you know, and, and exploring this future that we, we know kind of whether we like it or not, it's going to be much more digital. And so many of our daily experiences are becoming increasingly um, connected in, you know, in, in ways that um, some are easy to imagine and others are kind of take us, you know, by surprise. Um, I, I think um, I've personally had this curiosity for a long time. My, my major project, my dissertation in back in you know, 2000, you know, one or two or three was, um, was doing augmented, re- you know, exploring augmented oh, wow. reality. And, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there were plenty of people in the space, just more enthusiasts and a few academics and, you know, it's, it, it, and so on. But I created this kind of working prototype of this, you know, these glasses where they, you know, you could put them on and actually see things in, in AR based on, you know, some open source things and a few of my own kind of designs. Um, and so I've had this curiosity and, and many years later, I, you know, I got, you know, what the ill-fated Google glass, you know, and, and was, you know, and I still have mine. It was, you know, it was one of the, I think Google's they still use it on, on factory, factory floors or something I heard somewhere. I don't know if that's still the yeah. case. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I, there was definitely application of it, but just, you know, that you've got to understand the users. And, and that was definitely more an exercise in like, Hey, we've got this tech. How do we sort of retrofit it to, Mm-hmm. something useful and they didn't quite take um so i'm curious i've always been kind of curious like that the last year i've been very interested in nfts and the tokenization of, of experiences and brands and i think that's going to be um a big wave ahead for for a lot of brands and and people in building product is is nfts and and um you know i've seen some See, the thing is, there's always noise and breed and all the very, you know, the, the lower enough C versions of products. And then I think there'll, there'll be hopefully a, a small voice, but growing voice, the more heart-centered voice in each of these technologies, how you can 
uh, how we can use this technology as an amana. Like, how do we then, okay, well, it's clearly been, you know, it's it's here. What are we kind of doing with it? How are we benefiting people from, you know, with this? So Proactively. Uh, thinking ahead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I had a Rather project. Reactively. Much, uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, precisely. There was a project I launched. It was more of a personal project. Um, uh, I want to say five, six, seven years ago called Islam Imagine. So Islam Imagined, um, you know, it's Imagined um, with um, .com was really helping students and, and kind of educators think through some of these scenarios and think about emerging technologies and how that could be used in useful ways, ways for good, designing for remembrance rather than designed for distraction. So I, I'm a believer in it's, it's more helpful to think about these and what we can do rather than just wait for big corporations, tech brands, entertainment brands to make everything. And then we, you know, we kind of run the other direction go, oh my gosh, it's, it's crushing the world and destroying all of our, um, what makes us human, because that's kind of like what happens to a point. So, and so I'm interested in that. Um, and on the other hand is like creating, so, you know, I've helped, um, you know, develop this concept called Tales of Khayal, which is a kind of fictional series set about 50 years in the future. Um, and it's been in kind of heavy development the last year, year and a half, thinking through these kind of scenarios, how does this play out? So it's kind of a fictional storytelling way of helping us explore and ask questions about the metaverse, you know, and mm. where is our humanity, where is our spirituality um, in, the, in the future and, and what, how that might play out and the kinds of questions, the kinds of different interest groups and different corporations. So we've, we've kind of built out this whole world We've got, you know, our first comics coming together um, and some pretty cool things coming up. So that's one way of helping us approach this is through story and imagination. And so these are all, you know, opportunities we each have. We're all blessed with imagination and, and, uh, and dreams and, and, you know, inspiration. So how can we use these for, for good? That's, that's the heart-centered design approach, inshallah. Inshallah. Beautiful. Um, definitely. I'll have to follow up to make sure I have all the links right, but we'll have plenty of stuff in the show notes for for people to check out. And, um, you know, if, if there's any other, if you're looking for, you know, um, anyone to fulfill in certain roles or anything like that, let me know. And inshallah, I'll also uh, have a note on that. Um, I think we're kind of reaching time. So I wanted to to close. I'm experimenting a little bit with uh, the format of the podcast. And, you know, inshallah, like you mentioned, the barakah is, is the main point and having kind of sincerity and, and grounding ourselves in our tradition is important. Um, so one thing I, I wanted to try out is, um, you know, we have a saying in our tradition that whoever has not thanked people has not thanked God. So if... Uh, you know, I, for one, have a lot of gratitude towards you because, again, like I was part of the Heart of Design program and, and that in many ways uh, really jump-started this project for me. Um, alhamdulillah. So I, I wanted to give you kind of an opportunity if there's anybody uh, out there you'd like to shout out and uh, give some gratitude towards. Uh, maybe this is a, an opportunity to do so. And then, inshallah, we can close out with a dua. Yeah, that's a beautiful um, way to start wrapping up an episode. Uh, there are so many. I, just for some reason, what came to mind was one of my design professors. Um, just while we were talking a little bit about um, the backstory, and um, yeah, Professor John Broadbent was a design professor that 
Um, I'm, I'm in, I'm in touch with even to this day. He retired a long time ago. Um, but he, uh, I want to thank him for really opening up some of my thinking um, about the future and being sort of you know, having a, a, an active role in designing the future, if you like, or thinking about that. And he, um, yeah, thank you for uh, helping uh, explore and introducing me to some different authors like, you know, Kurzweil and others who, you know, have very radical understanding of what the future might be. So, uh, yeah, and also, you know, he, um, we did some projects together, uh, you know, after he retired around ecology and permaculture and he, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he really helped, helped um, you know, broaden my thinking. So that's one person, but there's many others that I'll just go with him because he, he came into my heart at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Mashallah. May Allah grant barakah and blessing to all those we've mentioned and all those that we haven't been able to mention, inshallah. Uh, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Maliki yawmadeen Iyaka na'abudu wa Iyaka nasa'in Ihdina siratul mustaqim Siratul ladhina namta alayhim Ghayral maghdubi alayhim Waladhaleen Ya Allah put barakah in all of our endeavors uh, Make us people of sincerity and ikhlas Make us people who are like-hearted and, and bring benefit to others And inshallah um, Guide us towards those things Um that bring us closer to you. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Wal-asr innal insana lafi khusr illa ladhina aminu wa aminu salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haqqi wa tawasaw bil-sabr. 